0: thanks for listening to the valley point church podcast we hope it's a blessing to you welcome to the first sunday in august summer is flying isn't it oh my we like to hang on to these days but they are moving We're actually in week eight of our summer theme called Reclaiming Sacred Words. I hope you are enjoying this and finding our time together to be beneficial and that what we're discussing is helping deepen your friendship with God and the friendship that you have with other people as well. So I hope you're having a great time with our summer theme. Here's what I'd like to do. I want us to say together our church-wide life verse, which is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. We chose this back in January as a way to guide and direct our church throughout this year. And so let's say this together. The words will be on the screen. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Great job. Let's say it without help now. Okay? <laughs> Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Here we go. He has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I saw some of you looking on the back wall wondering if I was cheating. <laughs> the words were not there. So, great job. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, three themes really fall right out of that. Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Justice, mercy, and humility. I really believe if we act this way with justice and mercy and humility, we will be acting like Jesus himself who modeled this behavior when he was here on earth. All morning long, we have been singing about the person of Jesus and how he is alive and how we can respond to him and worship him and his greatness. We're gonna continue that theme by talking about Jesus today. And here is our sacred word, so please take out your talk notes. Find a pen and let's walk through this together. Our sacred word today is Christology. Comes from two words, Christ and ology, or Christology when you put that together. And Christology is the study of Jesus Christ in the Bible and how he has been viewed in the history of the church. Christology is the arm of theology that deals with the person and the work of Jesus. So we're going to talk about Jesus today. And I think in doing that, it immediately brings up three questions that we want to walk through in our time together. So here are the three questions. Number one, who is Jesus? Right? If we're going to talk about him and if we're going to encourage people to worship him and give your life to the one who gave his life for you, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? And did Jesus really live? Or is he just a figure that religion has invented as a source of hope? So was Jesus a real historical figure or did religious people just invent him and prop him up as a way to make everybody feel better about life? Did Jesus really live? We want to think through that a little bit. And then the third question is this. What is Jesus doing today? Assuming he's alive, and we'll cover that, but if he is, then what is Jesus actually doing today? We talk about him quite a bit and what he did while he was here on earth, how he talked to people, and how he taught, and how he healed, and how he challenged, and inspired, and helped, and... He really implemented justice, mercy, and humility. That was the life of Jesus when he was here on earth. But if Jesus is alive, and I believe with everything inside of me that he is, then what is he actually doing today? And what does that mean for each and every one of us who have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue us? Those questions are going to form our flow for today. And I will say this. I can't give justice to the subject of Christology in 30-ish minutes. I just can't do that. There is so much that we could talk about regarding the life and the work of Jesus. We could go on and on and on for a really long time. As a matter of fact, I just put a short list together of other things we could discuss when it comes to the person of Jesus. So here's my list. His pre-existence and eternality. Meaning Jesus has always lived. He wasn't just born in Bethlehem so many years ago and that's when he arrived. Jesus always existed and that is just a marvelous thing to consider. The Old Testament prophecies of Christ. So many Old Testament prophecies regarding a Messiah will come A rescuer is on the way, and they even talked about the circumstances surrounding his birth and where he would be born, and these were people who lived and wrote hundreds of years before Jesus. The Old Testament prophecies are amazing. How about the incarnation of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the deity of Christ, the hypostatic union of Christ? The hypostatic union is the fact that he was God and man at the same time. There was this very unique union. We could take a lot of time and talk about the uniqueness of the hypostatic union, the earthly life of Christ, the death of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the temptation of Christ, the offices of Christ, and the list just goes on and on and on. We could spend a lot of time talking about Christology and the person of Jesus and there's so much that we don't even know. The subject of Jesus, it's immense. It's immense. A quick note about Jesus Christ. Christ is not the last name of Jesus, okay? (laughs) Sometimes we think that because there's Jesus and then Christ, so that, that must be his last name, but that's actually not the case. People in Bible times didn't have last names as we think of them today. It probably was more like this. In Matthew chapter 16, you see the phrase, Simon, son of Jonah. Well, son of identifies this Simon and differentiates him from all of the other Simons by his family connection. And that's most likely how last names functioned in the Bible. It was more a matter of your family connection. Jesus Christ. The word, the Greek word translated Christ is Christos, and it means Messiah or anointed. And so a better way to say this that I believe is grammatically correct is to say Jesus the Christ He was Jesus, the Messiah. He was Jesus, the anointed one. And Christ really gives us a great description of what Jesus came to do. So Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's Jesus Christ or Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, or the anointed one. Okay, let's get to our big idea for today. And then we'll ask and answer these three questions. Here's our big idea, Jesus This man truly was the son of God. And that's taken right out of Matthew chapter 27 where we find the crucifixion scene. Jesus is on the cross and there's a group of Roman soldiers there taking care of all of the responsibilities involved in a crucifixion. And they look up at Jesus and come to this conclusion. Jesus... Wow, this man on the cross, he's more than just a moral figure. He's more than a great teacher. He's more than a good guy. Jesus, this man truly was the son of God, and we want to think through that today. Okay, the questions. Here we go. Number one, who is Jesus? If we're going to talk about him, sing about him, even worship him, then we probably should have a pretty good idea of who Jesus actually is. And so let's think about this a little bit. One scholar states it this way. Jesus of Nazareth is indeed the second person of the eternal Godhead whose role was to become incarnate and provide a way of salvation for all those who believe. There's a lot of words there, so let's kind of break this statement apart a little bit. Jesus of Nazareth. That identifies his hometown. That's where Jesus lived with his family, in Nazareth. So Jesus is indeed the second person of the eternal Godhead. That speaks to how Jesus is deity. He is God, the son of God, whose role was to become incarnate, and that word incarnate means that he would take on flesh, He would put on flesh and live amongst humanity. In other words, up there came down here. That's the story of the incarnation. And why would he do that? Well, to provide a way of salvation for all those who believe. The purpose of Jesus was to come and live his life with a singular purpose to pay the price for my sins. And to pay the price for your sins, making it possible when we trust in him alone to enter us into a forever friendship and relationship with God that lasts for eternity. And this is so clear throughout scripture. The purpose of Jesus was to be the sacrifice for sin. So who is Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth. That's his hometown. He is indeed the second person of the eternal Godhead. He's God, whose role was to come to earth, to become incarnate, and why? To provide a way of salvation for all who believe. By the way, that phrase, for all those who believe, I think is a key phrase in there. It helps us to know and to understand that Jesus does not force himself on anyone. We all have a choice to make when it comes to the person of Jesus do we believe in him and will we trust in him alone to rescue us or is that not for us Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody we do have a choice in the matter we do have to believe and that takes us to question number two did Jesus really live Or is he just a figure that religion invented to bring hope or to collect money or to wage war or whatever we may think about Jesus? Did he actually live? So here's what's interesting about that question, which does seem to arrive from time to time. Very few scholars in the academic world, very few scholars, in the church world and even outside the church world. So even those who may not be cracked up about God and believe all of that to be true, who may say, you know, there's Jesus, we're not so sure if he was God, whatever, but very few scholars inside the church world and outside the church world believe that Jesus didn't live. In other words, in the academic world and in the scholarly community, they all point to a real historical Jesus and that is widely accepted. Gary Habermas, considered by many to be one of the leading researchers on the ancient evidence for Jesus. He is an American historian, a New Testament scholar, a philosopher of religion, a Christian apologist. He travels all over the world speaking about the life and the person of Jesus. Here's what he said about people refuting a real historical Jesus. Here's his statement. This conclusion, that Jesus never lived, is generally regarded as a blatant misuse of the available historical data. There is a substantial body of data that argues for a historical Jesus who lived early in the first century. And what I have discovered is that the scholarly community presents A compelling argument and a sound argument for a living Jesus, and they refute quickly those who disagree. Still, I think it's a valid question, right? Did Jesus really live, or is he just this thing that religion props up to bring hope to people? I think that's a valid question, and we need to answer, ask it, and also provide an answer. And maybe you're thinking about that a little bit today, wondering, did Jesus really live? If that's how you feel, and if that's what's rolling around in your mind right now, I want to say welcome to Valley Point Church. I'm glad that you're here. And I want you to know this is a safe place for you to investigate and question. If that's how you feel, and if that's what you're wondering right now, I would encourage you to check out the book by Gary Habermas called The Historical Jesus. I think it'll provide a lot of good answers for you. And will stretch your thinking a little bit about the historical Jesus. Okay, that brings us to the third question, which I find to be absolutely fascinating. And the third question is, what is Jesus doing today? (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is Jesus doing? You know, he was here on earth, and he lived for a few years, and he gave his life. He was killed in a brutal way. And that was extremely painful, obviously, but yet he came back to life and then he ascended into heaven. Is Jesus just retired now? (laughs) Like, you know, my work is done. And wow, the the crucifixion... (laughs) I never have to do that again, and that's a great thing. And here I am just enjoying being with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, and I'm just resting and rolling around heaven doing whatever it is that Jesus may be doing up there. But boy, I, I don't have to do stuff anymore, the hard stuff like what I did when I was on earth. What in the world is Jesus doing today? I find that to be a really interesting question. And wouldn't you know... <gasps> Scripture is not silent on this. It does give us some insight and some direction as to what Jesus is actually doing today. And I will say this, it's great news for all of us, okay? Great news. So get ready to take some good notes. I have four thoughts. Number one, Jesus is building his church. That's what he's actively doing right now. And today, and I think we're a testament to this, Jesus, right now, he is building his church. Colossians 1.18 says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. When we think about the church, capital C church, the church all over the world, when we think about the church as an organization, at the top of the org chart is Jesus himself. He's over the whole thing. And he's attached to us, we are attached to him because he refers to the church as his body and Christ is the head. And one of the things you discover in books like Acts and in some of the other New Testament books is that Jesus is actively involved. He not only started it, but he's still actively involved in building and growing his church, in building and growing us, we're the church. So one of the things that Jesus is actively doing right now, if you're wondering, what's going on up in heaven? And what are the activities of Jesus? What occupies his day? Well, one of those things is he is the head of the church. He is building it. Here's the second thought, which again should encourage all of us. Number two, Jesus is praying for believers. Great news, right? I mean, this should be really encouraging, the thought that Jesus is praying for believers. Jesus, right? God, the one who gave his life, he's praying for believers. Romans 8, 34. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand will you say the next word with me pleading pleading that greek word means he is appealing and he is interceding for who for us for us how about this verse? Hebrews seven twenty five? Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to, say this word with me, intercede. That's the same Greek word used in Romans 8, 34. It has the idea of pleading, interceding, appealing. So he lives forever. Jesus lives forever to plead, to intercede, to appeal with God on their behalf. Who's there? That's us, believers. And the indication in the language, both in Romans chapter 8 and in Hebrews chapter 7, as well as many other passages. The indication there is that Jesus continually intercedes. It's not a one-time thing, but he is continually doing this all of the time. I think this thought alone should absolutely transform the way we do everything. Shouldn't it? Oh my goodness. We have an in with God. If we've trusted in Jesus alone to rescue us, we have somebody who's on the inside. You know how it always helps to have somebody on the inside to kind of plead for you and to help with the cause. And we often reach out to those individuals when we are in trouble or whenever we have a big need. Who's on the inside? I'm calling him or I'm calling her. Well, guess what? In life, and the biggest challenges that we all face whatever that may look like and whatever toll that may take on us emotionally and physically, we have someone on the inside and it's Jesus and he is continually pleading for us. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. I thought you would all clap or something because that really is amazing. Yeah. Just however you feel today, however you feel, if you don't have anybody else On your side, if you've trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, he's pleading and interceding with God the Father on your behalf. Extraordinary. This is one of the things Jesus is doing. Number three, Jesus is also preparing a heavenly abode for us. Jesus is in the construction business. Who knew? We needed his help a few years ago when we were in this process, and I think he did help us, but Jesus is still building, which is really unique. Here's John chapter 14, the words of Jesus. Okay, he's talking to some of his followers. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you And when everything is ready, or when I'm done with the construction, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus, he's building. What else? Number four, Jesus is producing fruit in the lives of believers. In the very next chapter in John's gospel, we find Jesus saying this. John chapter 15, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So think about this for a moment. When a person trusts in Jesus alone to rescue them, they are grafted into a friendship with Jesus. They are attached to him. And this grafting in Jesus, this attachment provides spiritual nourishment in the life of every single person. And from that nourishment, we begin the process as followers of Jesus, people who have been rescued by him, of producing spiritual fruit, like love, joy, peace, patience, and so on and so forth, the fruit of the Spirit. That is what happens when we are grafted into Jesus. And so one of the things that he is doing is producing spiritual fruit in those who are attached or grafted into him. So when you think about these four thoughts about what is Jesus doing today, I think you can come to the conclusion that he's pretty busy and he's fairly active. He's working for us. And personalize that a little bit if you've embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that Jesus offers through God the Father, then he is working for you and doing these things. That's a very sobering thought. Jesus, very active, very busy right now, not retired, not sitting around, considering what may happen next. No, he's actively involved and working for Believers, a very sobering thought. And again, that should be something that fills us all with a lot of confidence and joy, knowing that I have someone on the inside, someone right there who is interceding and working for me. No matter how you may feel today, you need to walk out encouraged, considering that Jesus is doing something for you, okay? Three takeaways. Number one, marvel, marvel. Can we all do that? We sang about Jesus this morning, and that gives us the opportunity just to be amazed at who he is and what he has done for all of us. We need to allow that marveling to continue as we walk out of here and step into a work week that is often arduous and often pulls at us and often takes from us, we need to just step back into this lane and marvel at Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the anointed one who right now is working on my behalf. Wow. Second, trust. If you have never trusted in the saving work of Jesus, then I would encourage you right now to consider the claims of Christ and how he came with a singular mission to live for you and to die on your behalf, paying the price for your sins. And scripture tells us that God loved us so much that he gave his only son. And if we believe, and that word believe means trust, if we trust in Jesus and not try to add anything to that. <laughs> As humans, we're always trying to add stuff to that. Like, well, I need to achieve and I need to do, and this is how it works. And God says, no, I've done all of the achieving for you in the perfect son of God, Jesus himself. And so when we trust in him alone, then we will have eternal life. If you've never trusted in the saving work of Jesus, trust call out to him from your heart to his ears. Tell him that you're trusting in the work of Jesus and you'll have a forever friend in the one who came for you and he'll begin working for you as well. And then third, living for Jesus is worth it. It's worth it if you've trusted in him and you've been walking with Christ. Sometimes it gets a little old and boring and stale and we forget about it. Just know living for Jesus is worth it because he's doing an awful lot of stuff for us. And because he's doing a lot of awful, uh, not awful, but a lot of great stuff for us, then I think it's fair and appropriate that we give our lives to him and work for him and serve him and honor him with how we think and with what we say. So living for Jesus is worth it. Matthew 27. Let me just go back to that for a second. Truly this man was. And I will add to that, and is, the Son of God. When we think about Christology, the person of Jesus, he is someone who actually lived part of the Godhead and now works for believers. Let's marvel at that. Let's trust, if we've never done that, and then living for Jesus, let's be reminded, it's worth it. It's worth it. Father, we're thankful for some time today to look at all kinds of different verses in Scripture. And this unique sacred word, Christology, the study of the person and the work of Jesus. God, there's a lot we know about God the Son, but there's so much we don't know about him and so we wrestle with these thoughts, we study, we research and God at the end of all of that, I believe a great conclusion, the conclusion that I've come to and I know so many people in this room is that Jesus is the son of God and he is worthy of our trust and our adoration And so, God, I pray for all of us here this morning that you would just do a work in our hearts and in our minds and whatever we need to take away from our time here, help us to do that. If there's more questions, help us to keep wrestling with that. If trust needs to occur, help us to take that step. Marveling and maybe once again just positioning our lives to please Jesus because he's done so many good things for us and he continues to work on our behalf. I'd like for you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment and just create a little space here to say, God, here's what I think you're saying to me today about your son Jesus. Here's what you're saying to me. Maybe you're in a place where trusting in Jesus alone makes sense and you're ready for that. I just encourage you from your heart to God's ears, cry out to him. Let him know you're a sinner. Let him know your life isn't perfect. He already knows that about all of us, but I think he wants us to admit that. And then tell him you're trusting in the work of Jesus alone to rescue you and you believe in what Jesus has done for you on your behalf, just tell him you're believing and trusting in that alone and you don't want to add anything to it. Just simple trust and belief. Thank God for rescuing you. For saving you. And know that you walk out of here with a forever friendship with God and his son who now works on your behalf. Thank God for that. Father, we're grateful for this time to focus on your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.